Masechet Rosh Hashanah, Daf Yud Bet. Three main topics. We're going to start off with some astronomy, and that's going to relate to the time when the world was created. And then we're going to move on to the next item in our very first Mishnah, all the way on Daf Bet. The next item was Maaser, uh, specifically a vegetable, but also other related things. And then we're going to talk a little bit about vows. So um, we said yesterday, there's a famous machloket between Rabbi Eliezer, who says the world was created in Tishrei, and Rabbi Yoshua, who says the world was created in Nisan. And the Gemara starts off now showing that their opinion here accords uh, with what they say somewhere else regarding the timing of the flood. The flood began in the 600th year, counting from Noah's life, uh, in the second month. But second month is not clear, a second month of what, counting from when. Uh, and so if it was Nisan, then that would be Iyar. And so each, each uh, of the Tanaim are going to interpret this Chodesh Hasheni according to them. Rabbi Yoshua will say it's Iyad, and Rabbi um, Eliezer will say it's Mar Cheshvan. So let's see how this works. Rabbi Yoshua Omer, Oto Hayom Shiva Asar Be'iyad Haya, Yom Shemazal Kima Shokeya Bayom Uma'yanot Mit Ma'atin, Umitoch Sheshinu Ma'asehen, Shina Kadosh Paruchu Alehem Ma'ase Bereshit, so first of all, the Gemara is assuming that the dates of Noah, that Noah counted his years, are start at the same time as whenever creation. So if creation started in Nisan, it was Rabbi Yeshua says, then so too uh, the years of the years of Noah are also going to start from Nisan. Uh, why does it make that assumption? It's not really clear, but let's go, let's go with that. So Rabbi Yoshua says that it was uh, this was the second month of the year, which is Iyad, and that's when the constellation called Kima, Pleiades, and, and also known as in Greek, um, comes, goes down during the day. And also during that time in the spring, uh, the, the, the water is low because uh, in the springtime, that's it. There's no the rainfall is... Uh, um, uh, low, and so the, the springs have diminished. So there's not much water, and uh, kima is associated with water, and so and that's also going down. So it's weak. Kima is weak. The constellation that controls water is weak, and the spring is weak, and so it's not really a good time for a flood. Uh, you wouldn't expect it then. However, because the human beings changed their acts of create from creation, in other words, they were acting badly, not the way they were supposed to, not the way they were commanded. So too, um, uh, Hashem changed the changed nature for them. There's an interesting correlation here between moral order and natural order. And when human beings uh, cause chaos in their society, so too nature responds causing chaos. And that's a very nice uh, parallel there. And so what did Hashem do? What's the mechanism by which he brought the flood? Well, he made this uh, constellation of Kima, instead of going down, come up. In other words, get stronger. And he took two, uh, two uh, stars away from it. So Ple- Pleiades looks kind of like this. Um, it's also known as the Seven Sisters in Greek mythology, also known as the Water Girls. Uh, so they are associated with water. And so these uh, stars seem to control water, regulate it. And by taking two out, 
um, perhaps that means he kind of unplugged these two holes and then lots of water came forth. And, um, and that brought Okay, so that would be Rabbi Yoshua. And since he says the world was created in Nisan, so too the flood started in the second month after Nisan. Now, Rabbi Eliezer has a slightly different version. He says it was, in fact, the 600th year, but the second month, my second month counting from Tishrei. And then that time, the constellations are different. In this, uh, during this time, the constellation is rising. And also during that time of the year, uh, the springs are increasing. And so this is already a time when the water is, uh, and the constellation that controls water is very active. And these are the same words because the people um, changed their actions to wrong actions. So to Hashem then caused chaos in nature. Now this is confusing because uh, we said that during this time, Kima is already uh, up during the day. So what does it mean that he brought it up, brought it up further? The Gemara will ask this question. And he took two stars away from it, maybe opening it up. And that caused a flood. Uh, so good. So that's the two versions. And so each one follows their own opinion. Okay, a little bit of background, what this, uh, what this astrology, we're not going to explain all the astrology, but at least uh, two relevant uh, parallel sources. Uh, the Gemara does not quote this Pasuk and Amos, but I think for sure it's behind the scenes uh, why they chose this in the first place. Pasuk and Amos says, showing the Hashem's great power in, in the universe, and says, who made Pleiades and Orion? Uh, Hashem did. And who turns darkness into dawn and, and darkens day into night? Um, who summons waters of the sea and pours them out on the earth. So this is describing, well, it could describe a big rain, but it sounds like it's describing a huge rain, a flood. And that's associated with the, the constellation of Pleiades. So that's one um, item that's behind this. And then a parallel source to our Gemara is found back in Berachot, where it says, Kima, it explains the name of it, Shemuel says, Kima is a, is a concatenation of like, it's a hundred stars. In fact, it's seven that are prominent, but there's a whole cluster around them. And I'm sure if you look with a modern telescope, you'll find even more stars right there. When Hashem wanted to bring them, make them Mabul, He took two kochavim, two stars away from the constellation of Pleiades, and brought it. And when he wanted to stop it up, then he took two kochavim from another, another constellation and stopped it up. He couldn't use the same one and just put them back because in Kategor Nase Sanigod, he can use, can't use the same constellation to attack as the one to defend. Uh, so that's uh, this is a parallel source. So I explained it as kind of pulling the plug out from uh, a, a stopper and then the rain coming out. Another way to think of it is that it seems that Pleiades was actually a calming effect. Uh, this was associated with sailing and calming the waters, actually controlling the waters. So taking two stars out would be weakening this constellation. And so if you weaken the constellation that controls the waters, then the waters will become uncontrollable, too active, and overpower. So 
uh, that's just another way to think about it. All right, so now we understand how uh, the mechanism by which the flood came through this through these constellations and how they're associated with the different times of the year when the constellation is on the rise or on the decline, uh, whether it's seen during the day or it's seen at night. Okay. So now we understand, according to the Yoshua, why it says the second month, because the Yoshua says it's from Nisan, and Nisan is always the first month, and Shini is going to be Iyad. That's standard. Whenever the Torah says the second month, it's talking about Iyad. According to Eliezer, why does it say the second month? No one ever counts months from Tishrei. Okay, no, but everyone agrees that's from Nisan. So then what would be the second month? Well, you're, not, you're not starting from Tishrei. And the answer is Sheni Ladin, the second month of judgment. We're starting the calendar of when Hashem just judged the world and then, so counting from there. So that could be, it's its own uh, beginning calendar. Now, we understand again, according to Yeshua, why it says that Hashem changed nature because beforehand, the, the, the waters were calm and Pleiades was uh, down. And so Hashem had to change it to make Pleiades up and to make the water rage. So that's a change. El Yoshua, Maishina, there was no change. Pleiades is already, um, already uh, going up in the morning. And so it's already strong and the waters are already strong. So the answer is uh, not see that the change was not that there would be there is a flood. There was that, that flood was natural. What was special about the Mabul, what was different about it is that the waters were boiling, that um, and the flood Hashem brought all the waters, water to heat. And so not only were they drowned, but they were also boiled. And so what does it mean, this midah keneged midah? That they sinned with uh, illegal sexual relations, which is um, called boiling. This, it's hot. And therefore, um, as midah keneged midah, they were punished also with hot water. And a proof for this is, is at the end of the of the mabul, it says that the waters calm down, and they use the word vayashoku. But that same root is found with the king, King Achashverosh. Says his anger shachacha calm down. Now usually anger is associated with heat and means then even in English you say he cooled down. So just like his anger cooled down, so to hear after the flood the water cooled down. That means during the flood it was hot. And that's how we um, and that's how we uh, uh, close off our uh, understanding of the of the flood, its timing, and some of its details. And the last thing about this is how we count nowadays. The sages of Israel, when they want to um, do uh, uh, calculate the chronology of things that happen. So Mabul, they assume that Ibi Eliezer is correct. And so in fact, um, just like the flood started in, in, uh, in Malcheshvan, that would mean they agree that generally the creation start happened in Tishrei. However, when they're calculating other matters, that relate to when we bless the, the sun, we do that every 28 years. And so that we have to count from where, from the sun and also to calculate the molad of the moon, we calculate from the sun. So we take, uh, we, we accept both 
for different purposes. However, the sages of other nations, they follow Nisan for everything. Um, okay, now it's not clear who they're talking and who they're talking about. Who are these sages of the other nations? Apparently, they know something about the flood, their Bible reading. So maybe it's talking about Christians. Or, or some some group um, that uh, followed followed Nisan. All right, good. So that concludes the uh, discussion on astronomy, and now we go on with the next item in our Mishnah, which is Rosh Hashanah of Tishrei. The first of Tishrei is a head of year for vegetables. Ve'lirakot. Good. So, uh, which means that any vegetables that are grow are cut. Uh, before Rosh Hashanah will be part of the previous fiscal year. And uh, then after Rosh Hashanah will be the next fiscal year, you cannot take Maaser from one year to the uh, for the other. Uh, so something you pick next year, it has to be Maaser for that year. Um, that's the Mishnah. Now we're going to quote a Braita, and we're going to spend a lot of time. The Braita is only three words long, but we're going to analyze each one of the words. So Tana, Lirakot, Ma'asrot, Ve'lindarim. So three things that are also added on here. Uh, that's the same as Amishnah, but also adds tithing and vows. Now, we have to explain this. When it says what does it mean that for vegetables? What about vegetables? For the tithing of vegetables. Good. Well, then, and that's the same thing. This paraita seems to be redundant. Lidakot and ma'asrot. Right, this tithing of vegetables and tithing. So, what is it talking about? The answer is tana de rabanan vekatane de oraita. It's talking about two different types of tithing. One is de rabanan. So, here's something important to know. We're going to learn a lot about tithing today. That the maaser for vegetables is only mid rabanan mid oraita. You have to bring you have to bring a maaser for grain and olives. And grapes, grain, olives, and grapes that are going to be used for wine and oil. That's it. Uh, fruit is a separate matter. Fruit is a machloket between Rashi, who says Rabbanan, Rambam says Estoraita. But fruit, in any case, that the fiscal year for fruit is to bishvat. So we don't have to deal with fruit, um, uh, although grapes are fruit, but uh, they're their own category. Okay, so now we, we see that Yerakot here, the first item in the list, is referring to vegetables, which are mid-rabanan, and maserot is talking about grain and wine and oil that require maser mid-deoraita. That's why it has two categories. So we wonder about this. Isn't, which was more important? Wasn't deoraita more important? Shouldn't deoraita take precedence? So you should say maserot and then yerakot. The answer is, because the Rabbanan laws are more beloved. This comes another Gemarot uh, and Midrashim that say that uh, the Torah law is absolute, necessary. Um, but when we, when we want to show our great love for, for Hashem and for the Torah, we do that through the Rabbanan, because this is over and, and above what is absolutely required. And so therefore, the laws of the Rabbanan are even more beloved to, uh, to, to, to the rabbis or and to us, to Hashem. And so therefore, in fact, it's better to start off with even Yedakot, which is great. Okay, now Vitana Didan, that's good for the Baraita. But what about our Mishnah? Our Mishnah only mentioned one category of Yedakot. That's it. What about Maaser for grain? Doesn't say anything about it. Our, the Mishnah always wants to be concise. Right? Knew that we're going to have to memorize this whole thing. So if you could save a word, 
then he saves a word and you can derive it. If you're the kotbus or only the banan that you have to bring and sitish it as the time, then all the more so you know that for sure you have to bring maser for doraita, things like grain, and that would be the same time. Now, velitni maser. Next question is, how come it says maserot? Because after all, it's not talking about maser for grain and for vegetables. Vegetables is already included in its own category. So what's the, what's with the plural tithes? The answer is that includes both tithes of animals and tithes of grain. So you see tithes of animals. We already saw that this is machloket. Some say it's Rosh Chodesh Elul, but this baraita is going according to those who say it's Rosh Chodesh Tishrei. And now Yudakot in this baraita is also plural. And the Mishnah is plural. Why? Why don't you say one? Yadak. Today, Gavne Yarak, well, there's two categories of vegetables too. Ditnan Yarak Ne'egad, Mishi Ya'ged, Vishen Ne'egad, Mishi Yimalei Atakeli. At what point does do vegetables, uh, when you first pick vegetables, when you first pick vegetables, you, you're allowed to eat from them at, in temporary if you're just snacking. At what point do you, can, do you stop that and you have to bring, you have to take the masa before you can eat any more? Well, when they're completed, they're processing. So what do you call completed their processing? For, for vegetables that you usually bundle together, it's from when you bundle them together. That's one category. And for um, vegetables that you don't normally bundle together, then it's when um, you put them into a basket, it's when you fill up the basket, then they are finished processing and then you can't have a temporary uh, snack of them anymore, then you're gonna have to take the ma'asir. So that explains the plural language. Okay, good. Now, another braita about this. You go and you um, uh, pull some carrots out of the ground before um, Rosh Hashanah, uh, right, uh, before sunset, and then and you took a few more afterwards. Uh, not that you're allowed to pick vegetables, but okay, let's say you did it by, by mistake. And uh, so now some are before sunset, before on the previous year, and the other ones are after sunset, which is on, on the next year. And so you cannot take from one batch for the other, the one from before sunset, that belongs to the fisc- previous fiscal year. And after sunset, even though it's only two minutes apart, belongs to the next year. You can't take maser from the new crop, next year's crop, for last year's crop, and not the other way around either. And another effect of this law is if, let's say, it happened to be the, se- the end of the second year of the Shivi'it cycle, and Tishrei is now starting the third year of the Shivi'it cycle. So the Maaser is, is different for each. We bring Maaser Ishon every year, except for Shivi'it year. All six years, you always bring Maaser Ishon. That goes to the Levi. However, the first and second years of the Shemitah, we bring Maaser Sheni. Maaser Sheni means I bring it, the farmer brings it to Jerusalem, and he has to eat it in Jerusalem. He can share it with anyone he wants, which he probably will, because um, you're bringing a tenth uh, of your whole year's crop, and you only have to eat it just within a few days of your trip, probably just, you know, for Sukkot. So you can, you have to eat it in Jerusalem. That's the first, second, fourth and fifth year. In the third and sixth year, you bring besides Maaser Ishon to the Levi, also Maaser Ani. 
that you have to give to the poor. That's the third and sixth year. So if you're at the end of the second year, then whatever you picked right before sunset, you're going to have to take Maaseh Rishon to the Levi and Maaseh Shani you bring to Jerusalem. Whereas whatever you picked a minute after sunset, that is going to be Maaseh Rishon, which is always, and you have to give that Maaseh Ani. You cannot eat it in Jerusalem. So you see that this is the cutoff point. Good. Now, now we're going to go off into a bit of a tangent and wonder what is the source for the fact that in the third year we bring Maaseh Ani and uh, not in other years. Uh, so this is good to know. Uh, after all, there is no Tamud Bavli on uh, Zeda'im. So we, uh, we, this, we, we rely on these uh, quotes within other Masechtot to know what the Tamud Bavli says about Mishnah in Zeda'im. So uh, here's a pasuk. It's called right? when you uh, set aside in full the 10th part of your yield in the third year, so what should you do with it? You give it to the Levi. The Levi here is not because it's Maaseh Rishon. That's a separate thing. You're giving it to Levi because he's also poor and to the stranger and to the orphan and widow because they're all usually poor. So you see here, it says the third year, you give it to the poor. So that's how we know. And furthermore, we're learning from here, you see the word ma'asad is singular, from which we learn that there is only one ma'asad in this year. So what, so what is it? In other words, we know for sure on this year, you have to give a tenth to the poor because it says so. Now, how do you know that this is not maybe an additional tenth? You have to give ma'asad and ma'asad sheni and ma'asad Maybe you have to give 30%. Sounds like a lot, but it would still be uh, less than what, what we pay here. So um, so therefore, the pasuk, because it says a single single ma'asad in uh, only one, therefore we learn that this is ma'asad ishon, which we always give every year, and ma'asad ani, only those two. Ma'asad sheni, the one that you bring to Jerusalem, that does not apply in the third year or in the sixth year. Okay, now we question that hypothesis. Wait a second, maybe because it's in singular in the Pasuk in, uh, in, in Devarim 26, maybe it means that you only bring Maaser Ani in the, third, in the third year and no other Maaser, not even Maaser Ishan, right? Because it's really singular. So therefore, Tamud Lomad, Ve'el Halvim Tedaber Vamarta Alehem, says, when you uh, take from the Bnei Israel the tithes, which I've given you as an inheritance. So this is important. It compares the Ma'aserishon to an inheritance, just like an inheritance. There's no interruption. If you get an inheritance, you get it anytime. So too, uh, the ma'asad has to be all the time, all six out of the seven years, not, not Shemitah. And so therefore, from here we learn that ma'asad ishan is consistent always. And so therefore, therefore that pasuk in Devarim 26 was referring to um, when it says one ma'asad, it means 
only one besides Maaseh Ishan. So therefore, Maaseh Shani is canceled. Maaseh Ani takes effect the third year and the sixth year. Good. So that was one version. We have now another Baraita that the second uh, explanation of this Baraita is going to be the same as what we just said. The first is slightly different. Tanya Idach, Ki La'aser. Uh, so when you finish made, making all your maaser, shana she'en ba'ela maaser echad. So same thing that this year has only one maaser. Hakesad. This is the same pasuk as we quoted before. So which one? If you're going to say only one maaser during the third year, maaser ishon, maaser ani, or maaser sheni batel. So the the one is maaser ishon, which is always plus one. Maaser ani, but not maaser sheni in the third and sixth year. Yachol of maaser ishon namei batel. Maybe you think since it says only one maaser in the third year, then you don't even bring maaser ishon. Tamadomar uba halevi. Kozman sheba ten lo divre rebi Yehuda. So since the pasuk says, uh, let me just bring it up. Um. Since the Pasuk says that um, here, uh, I'm just looking at look at the context. It's talking about Maaser. And um, here it says that the Levi will come and ask for his uh, his his due. So since it says Levi, anytime he comes, you have to give it to him. So it's talking about Maaser Rishon. And therefore, you have to give him the Maser Rishon every year. So you have to give it to him. So that's one way of learning it. And here's the second way to be Eliezer ben Yaakov. No, no, I don't need this derivation. This is too complicated, your derivation. I have a simpler one. So this is Basuk, same Basuk we had here from Bemidbar. Just like inheritance has no interruption, so to Maserishon has no interruption. So that finishes this derivation, right? To summarize, Maserishon, that goes to Levi, that's the, that's the main one that happens every year, all six years, without interruption, either because it's like compared to uh, inheritance has no interruption, or because the Pasuk says that, you have to give it to him whenever he asks. So that's always. The question is the other one, because it talks about, you know, come to Ndavadim. It says, bring to Jerusalem a tenth. So fine, we know that has gonna, that's going to apply most years. But in Devarim, it also says every three years, we learn the third year and the sixth year, every three years, give it to the poor. Oh, so well, what is that also in addition? But since it says singular, so that knocks out the Maaser Sheni. It does not knock out Maaser Rishon. Okay, good. So now we got the that derivation. Now we go to the third item in that Baraita that we quoted that started with the Yerakot. says Velindarim. So for vows. So Rosh Hashanah Tishrei uh, is a new year for vows. Well, how would that apply? If someone says, I vow to have no benefit from you for one year. Well, then if it just says for a year, then you count from that date from what let's say it's Rosh Chodesh Av and it'll be to the next Rosh Chodesh Av. So that's a full calendar year. But if he says, I will have no benefit from you. Talking about, they get angry at each other, they get into a fight. Right, I'm not going to get anything from you. 
nothing to do with you for this year. He says, L'shanazo. well, then that's talking about not a full 12 month year, but the official calendar year. Even if it's the last day of the year, it's the 29th of, 29th of Elul. So nevertheless, the next day is Rosh Hashanah. That's it. That's one full year. So it's an easy way to say, you know, I get nothing from you for, for a whole year, but you only have to do it for one day. This is like the bad joke that some people in the office always have to make every year on December you know, 31st. They say, see you next year. Because it's only one day away. Good. We saw in a couple of dapim ago that there was two opinions about is one day considered like a whole year? To be made said yes. To be Lazar said no. Only thirty days is the minimum time to be considered like a year. This is even according to the one who says you need thirty days to be considered like a year. One day is not enough. Um, they would still agree to this law because since the, per- the point of it is that he wants to accept upon himself to suffer, right? I'm going to suffer rather than be friends with you. So he suffered. That's the point. It doesn't matter really how long he suffered, even if he just does it a little bit. That is sufficient and he fulfilled his vow. Okay, good. Now, how do you know that if one makes a vow and he says this year, that he means from Tishrei to Tishrei. Maybe he means the other definition of a year from Nisan to, to Nisan. How do we know what he means? This is a very important principle in vows that when you want to interpret, sometimes people, languages could be, language could be ambiguous. Um, this is true for contract law also. Someone writes in a contract, you know, some term, and it could have different meanings. So, you know, I, want, I need to know legally what does this term mean? So in the case of vows, we go by the usage of the majority of people. Right? Go ask people what they mean when they say something. So if you go around and ask people, what do you, what do you, what do you, when you say a year, this year, what do you think it means? Most people will say, oh, from Rosh Chodesh, Tishrei, till Tishrei. Um, even though, yeah, we know for other purposes, for months is Nisan, but most people's usage is the year. Therefore, when they speak in the, with the vow, that's what they mean. So that's why it's not really a derivation from the Torah. If, uh, if time changed and people uh, think of a year in a different way, then it will go by whatever the common usage is. All right. Now, a little bit more about Ma'asir. This is a Mishnah in Ma'asrot. Tenanata matiltan Okay, we're talking about the cutoff times for different uh, things that grow when you when they belong to one year or the other. So for vegetables, we're not talking about vegetables here, but vegetables are easy. The vegetables, as we saw, is when you pluck them, when you cut them from the ground. So if you cut them from the ground on uh, a minute before sunset on Rosh Hashanah, they belong to the previous year. And even though it's the same carrot, right? You just cut it two minutes later, it belongs to the next year. So the cutoff time is literally when you cut the vegetable, but not so for other items. For fenugreek, it's when it sprouts. Uh, In other words, if you have um, a fenugreek fenugreek and it hasn't sprouted yet um, and you you cut it uh, before sunset, um, then it'll be from the previous year. But if it's... um, if it's if you if it has already sprouted no right if you have a fenugreek and it goes into the next year and you cut it you cut it after sunset let's say right but it's um but it already has sprouted beforehand then it doesn't matter since it already sprouted whenever it sprouts 
If it sprouted before sunset, it belongs to the previous year. If it sprouted after sunset, it belongs to the next year. It doesn't matter when you cut it. So that's the law for fenugreek. If you're wondering what fenugreek is, here's a picture of it. Okay, and for, um, and for grain and olives, it's when they grow a third of, uh, become a third ripe. So you go look at the grain. If it's a third ripe before sunset, um, then, uh, then it'll be go to the previous year. Even if you cut it after sunset, it doesn't matter. And if it's uh, not a third ripe by the time sunset comes on Rosh Hashanah, then it'll be for the next year. And the same thing, you know, with the, uh, when the year going out. Good. So regarding the fenugreek, what does it mean when it sprouts? When it sprouts for seeds. When it has seeds, there that are available. Now, let's see, where's the source? How do you know that for grain and olives, it's not when it's cut or, or when it when it grows, when, when something else? How do you know that it's when it get, comes to a third? Oh, here's the source. It's it's an unusual pasuk. It says at the end of seven years, the end of the Shemitah, um, on, uh, uh, on Sukkot. Now, the end of the Shemitah year is at the end of Elul. Now, and Sukkot is already 15 days after. So, Shemitah Shemitah, my Abiditeh, Bechag Sukkot, Sheminiti. So, what are you talking about when you say that the, it's the end of the Shemitah year and that's Sukkot? That Sukkot is already in, into the eighth year. You're going way too far. You shouldn't call it Shana Shemitah. You should call it the Shana after Shemitah. The Shana, if it's talking about the Sukkot after the end of Shemitah. So why would you still call it the seventh year, even though it's actually after the seventh year? So it's to teach you that any grain that has already grown one third during the shivit. You have to treat it like shivit uh, uh, grain, even after, even afterwards, right? As you go look on Rosh Hashanah, when at the end of shivit, oh look, it's a third grown. Then that's it. You can't take it even even uh, a time later. Now, how do you know this? How do you derive it from the fact that Sukkot is here? Well, uh, it seems that if you take certain uh, fast growing sprouts and you plant it on the last day um, of, uh, of, uh, of, the, of, the, of the year, it will already grow a third by the time that Sukkot comes around. So that's how we're, that's how we're deriving this one third from, uh, from this calendar. And that's the, that's the end of this stuff. And so we learned a lot about astronomy and we also learned some important derivations about the fundamental laws of Ma'asrot as it regards to grain and vegetables and uh, and olives and grapes. Baruch Adonai Amen v'amen.